Uh, in our first series, we, I've divided it into, I think, nine series throughout the year of different words, words that go together. And in our first series, we are talking about God, God, the words that God uses to describe himself. Of course, we looked at the word God at the beginning, and then uh, last week we, we looked at Yahweh, his name, and why that matters. And these first two words lead to the third word, holy, that we're going to discuss today. Uh, and it's important not just because God uses it to describe himself, but because it is a quality that he possesses that then flows to everything that is his. It is, uh, the word Yahweh, of course, does not do that. It doesn't flow to me. It just is a thing about God. And the word, of course, God, it's himself. I'm not a God. I'm never going to be a God. But holy, as a descriptor of God, is something that should eventually be applied to me. This word appears early and often in the Bible as we think about very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because God, on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the very first, I think, use of this word. And here we see what it means, right? That God made the seventh day different. He treated it differently. He made it special. Not any of the other days were this way. It alone, the seventh day was blessed out of all the days and had a significant meaning for millennia. Of course, that has been uh, replaced now with a different special day, the day that we're on today. But this is what we see when we use the word holy, that it was made different or special, treated special in some way that it was regarded as different than all the other days. But here highlights another frustration of mine. Depending on, on what version or what translation you use throughout the rest of the Bible, translators often don't use make holy or made holy, which means sometimes we miss when this idea is used. This is a translation problem because it's two words, to make holy or to make holy. We don't have a word, a verb for to holify. Like we, don't, we just don't have that word in English. So what do they use? The translators sometimes use sanctify, or consecrate, to make holy. So in your Bibles, when you're reading the words and you read sanctify or consecrate, it's consecrate, it's this word, to make holy. Then also then sanctified and consecrated, made holy, right? And so when we think about this idea of God's holiness, English becomes a little bit difficult because the translators use these other words, these special words. And we are actually going to talk about sanctification and uh, I think consecration later on in this series as it applies to us. But Yahweh's holiness is just another intrinsic part of his character. Like his name, I am, existence is an intrinsic part of his character. And we see in the same story in Exodus chapter 3, when he reveals his name to Moses, we see this holiness as well. Exodus 3, 2 through 5. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, he called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And here's the important part. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. This ground was different than all the other ground. The ground he was on previously, he's walking up the mountain, has his shoes on, there's no problem there. But when he approaches the place where God is, his presence in the midst of this burning bush, the ground itself becomes something to be treated as different or special than the rest of the ground that around. But again, the meaning of the word holy here, different, set apart, special. In this case, we might use the word sacred. 
is a word that we often use when we think about holiness. To be sacred or to be set apart for a specific divine purpose. Here the ground was holy. The ground was separate and sacred and different. Why? Well, the ground wasn't special. It wasn't anything about the ground. But it was the presence of God that made it so. That's what made it holy. Holiness is intrinsically tied to God. And a thing cannot be holy without God. And a thing that is God's must be holy. Those go together as they do in his commandments, as we see in Ezekiel chapter 22, Ezekiel 22, 23. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained upon in the day of indignation. He's talking about Israel. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured human lives, the priests of Jerusalem. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have disregarded my Sabbaths so that I am profaned among them. A word that we might consider uh, the opposite of holy would be common. They make no distinction between the holy and the and the common. The holy thing was what? Was God's commands, right? His things. The holy law is what he says. They have done violence to my law. But not only just the law, the people that they were mistreating, that they were making many widows, they were tearing apart through their conspiracy. The items of the, sac of the sacrifice and the worship, those were separate, holy, special things. And when we did, when the people of Israel did not consider the things of God to be uncommon or special or, or worthy of more consideration and care, then they were said to have done violence to the law. They were profaning what was special and God's. Revelation 15, 2 through 4. We're reading quite a bit of Revelation this morning. It was ironic. Jim just picked Revelation. That was not a plan at the beginning. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who had conquered the beast and its image were numbered, uh, and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, this is what they sing, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nation. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And here we see what makes God different. What makes him special? What makes him holy? His deeds, his power, he is almighty. His ways, just and true, that he has no deception, no lying, no falsehood. That makes him different and special. He alone is the king and the ruler. All the nations are going to come to him because he is righteous. All these things make him different than every other thing that exists. He is the most special and different entity in all, ex all of existence. And because of, oh, I just said all these things. So while God is the only intrinsic holy being because of these things, he's more powerful, he's more righteous, he's more true, he's more just, he's more caring, all of the things that we could put in there, yet the Bible does extend that holiness, that specialness, that differentness to the things that belong to him. We're not going to read these. You can write them down if you desire. Uh, I'll put these up there and take a drink and then you can sort of maybe t write them down if you want. As the Bible, uh, the New Testament writers, they call these things holy. His covenant, 
his angels or messengers, which is sometimes applied to the, the messengers of people, that would be the prophets, the next one, but also, of course, his heavenly uh, uh, supernatural messengers and angels, his prophets, his scripture, all these things are called holy, separate, special, set, uh, sacred, because they belong to him. They come from him. And so the holiness of God carries profound implications for those who would come to him. That would be us, right? We're trying to be his people. We're trying to come to him and have a relationship with him. His holiness dictates how we come to him. Leviticus 19, 1 through 4. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his father and mother and you shall not, or, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord, your God. Do not turn to the idols or make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord, your God. Of course, hearkening back to Yahweh. I am Yahweh, your God, right? I exist. Unlike the God, the other gods, the things of metal that they would make, don't turn aside. Obey my commandments, honor your father and mother. That's a commandment, right? Obey what I say. Give me pure loyalty because God is different, uncommon, and pure. We have to be as well. We have to be holy because he is holy to do the things he does and shun the things he shuns. In this case, it would have been other idols or other gods here. But in other cases, we'll see some different things to give him pure loyalty that I have to think about him as somebody who is special that I'm not treating him like I treat my spouse or I treat my kids or I treat my parents or I treat other people in the church or I treat other people in the world or my boss. I cannot treat him the same. And because he is different, I have to be different. I can't be like the world. I have to have pure loyalty to him and to do the things that he wants. First Peter 1, he echoes the same idea. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That would be the common things. The normal, ordinary things, right? If holy is opposite of common, the ordinary things would be the passions of our former ignorance, the things that we used to do in the world when we didn't care about God, the things that people who don't care about God do. Those are the ordinary things. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And there's the intrinsic holiness and there's the active holiness, right? There is the being holy in all that we do, our conduct. The things that we do should be for holy purposes, set apart, different, sacred. But then we also should be holy. Not that I'm ever going to be perfect. That's not the word here. Perfect is not holy. But that I'm going to be different. And I'm going to be serving different purposes and caring about different things and serving a different God. We must stand out from the world or we are not holy. Now, sometimes this is going to lead to persecution, sometimes scorn. Sometimes it can lead us to be arrogant. The holier than thou. What is that? Well, that's when I am so different from the world, but I think it's all about me and how good I am. And I'm so much better than you because of I, my holiness and I am different than the world. And so I'm better than anybody who doesn't want to do this. That's the arrogance. The holiness is not ours, right? Holiness does not come from us. God is the only one who's holy and his specialness filters down to his people. And so when I think that it's all about me, I'm not being holy Holiness is pointing back to the one who is holy, God. Leviticus 10, 1 through 3, as we see this even in his commands. 
Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. Fire came down from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. This is sons of Aaron, right? And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. This is that word. I will be considered holy. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace because his sons have just died. Consumed by fire from the Lord. Why were they destroyed? Because they did not regard God's instructions as holy, better or more special than their own ideas. They had their own ideas. They did not think about God's commandments as something to be better than theirs. That their commands, their ideas were just as good as God's. If we are regarding him as holy, then what he says is more important and better and more special than what I think. And then they were consumed. For us, fire is not going to descend from the heavens, thank God. But it will come eventually, won't it? The consuming fire of God when we do not regard him as holy. The holiness of God, his specialness and his separateness, his betterness, the ways that he is unique in all of existence should dictate everything about our actions and attitudes. And so we conclude with Hebrews 12, 12 through 17. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but be healed. Strive for peace for, with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We'll, we'll read the rest of this in just a minute. No one will see the Lord without holiness. Unless, this is a couple of ways that this applies. Unless you regard God and treat Him differently and treat Him better and treat Him with more authority than you treat everything else in your life, you will not see God. You will not. Unless we consider his word and his commandments to be better and more special and more important and more authoritative than anything everybody else says and anything I think. If I don't do that, I will not see God. I won't see the Lord. If I do not stand out because I'm following his commands, if I do not live in a way that makes it obvious that I'm a servant of God as opposed to somebody who's just in the world and doesn't care about God. If I do not live that kind of holy life and have that kind of holy attitude, I will not see the Lord. This is fundamentally important. Now, how we achieve that holiness? Well, that's all the different commands, right? How we achieve that, the idea of, of, of submitting to his will. That's the story about Nadab and Abihu, right? Submitting to his will. And of course, we know that we're not going to be perfect in that. So we have the forgiveness, the holy sacrifice of Jesus, the special, better sacrifice of Jesus that washes away our sins. We understand that. But even in my pursuit of holiness, and I know that I fail, I can still pursue holiness by seeking forgiveness, by confessing when I sin, by making things right with others. I, I'm, what am I doing? Striving for peace with everyone. Sometimes that's going to be my fault when I don't have peace. And even as I strive to make that better, I achieve that holiness of God. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. See that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Esau, who was special, because he was the firstborn, 
who was made unholy because he did not think of that as important. He sold it away. Our inheritance from God, we have to put that above all else. And when we allow other things, the common things of this life, to get in the way of our special inheritance from God and our service to him, we become unholy. And right now there's a chance to repent, to turn from that. Esau eventually reached a point where there was no chance to repent. He sought it with tears. He, of course, in a special case. For us, you have a chance as long as what? As long as we're alive, as long as Jesus has not come back, as long as there remains breath in our bodies, we have chance to repent and to become holy, to seek the holiness of God. I offer you an opportunity for that now. To come out from the world and be different. To submit to a better, special, more holy God. And to ultimately obtain a holy inheritance, something that is special or better or different than all the other promises. Come while we stand and sing.